Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to episode three of Ready to Pop, the ultimate pregnancy podcast with me, Caroline Foran. Now for this episode, I am joined by a good friend who happens to be the greatest nutritional expert I think I've ever known, and I just love her for her no-frills approach. She says it like it is, and it's Dr. Orla Walsh. Orla is a dietitian. she's also a mum herself, and for this episode, we are talking all things nutrition and pregnancy. So what can you eat? What can't you eat? How to cope with symptoms such as heartburn? What do you need to ensure you're getting enough of in your diet? And so much more. This episode is proudly sponsored by Pregnacare, which is a supplement I have been taking since day one. I've been on Pregnacare Max, which offers the ultimate formula in the range for mums-to-be who want the maximum nutritional support from Pregnacare. This advanced formula helps to safeguard daily intake of nutrients important during pregnancy, providing 400 micrograms of folic acid, incorporating the special readily bioavailable L-methylfolate, together with other essential vitamins and minerals including vitamin D, calcium and omega-3. Vitabiotics Pregnacare also have a new exciting gummy form with 17 nutrients which are handy as an alternative to tablets for those of you who maybe have difficulty in swallowing tablets or simply just prefer a chewable tablet. And of course they are all available in pharmacies nationwide, in store and online. It's so important to ensure that you're getting the right vitamins and minerals throughout your pregnancy, not just for the baby, but also for you. So be sure to follow me on Instagram as well at Caroline Foran, where I'll be giving one lucky listener of this series a chance to win the ultimate pregnant care hamper and you'll be all sorted. And enjoy the episode. Orla, thank you so much for joining me on Ready to Pop which is, I'm getting used to saying it now, it's my new pregnancy podcast series that will take listeners, whether they're expecting now or whether they're planning to have a baby, from fertility right through to preparing for labour. As you know, I'm currently up the duff. You've been through it before. Yeah. You've popped and it wasn't that long ago. How old is your baby now? He's 11 months. Well, he's 11 and a half, so he'll be a year at the end of the month. Oh, very emotional. I know, yeah. That means I haven't seen you in so long, which is actually crazy. Yeah, because we recorded a podcast together and I was so, so pregnant. You were so pregnant. I think you were sitting on a medicine ball or something. I I I remember you were just like, I need to keep breaking for like water. I was struggling to breathe. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) and you brought me up flights of stairs. I was like, yeah, right before we recorded. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, (laughs) thankfully now... You get to like return the favour um, and so it's all ahead of me. Yeah. Um, obviously you're a dietitian and yeah. nutritionist and all the other letters at the end of your name that I can't uh, pronounce and um, I'm so happy that we were able to sit down because I think something that people are, when it comes to pregnancy, are probably blissfully unaware of until yeah. they get pregnant is the impact of pregnancy on the gut and knowing really what to do when it comes to nutrition and diet and all that. So there's so much I want to ask you. Obviously you've been so kind to me I've been like DMing you since day one being like why (laughs) the hell is this happening to me and you've just explained so many things to me that I just would not have been aware of Um, so I suppose if we we go back to the beginning of a pregnancy for anyone this was the first thing that people want to to know I guess before they've really had any symptoms or maybe the morning sickness hasn't hit them if it's going to is like okay what can I eat what can't I I eat now being pregnant okay so like the do's and don'ts of pregnancy Um, I suppose that 
rule number one is food safety. So that's where a lot of it comes from. It's simply we don't want pregnant people to get sick because their immune systems are uh, lower. And also some of the bugs that they can get sick from might impact the baby. So we don't want that either. Okay. So it's very much food safety. Um, so there's a lot of washing hands, washing the fridge, storing things correctly, all you of that. wash my fridge? I know. <laughs> I was like... Have I washed my fridge? Um, and that's why, you know, for example, you have to cook eggs until they're hard-boiled. Okay. You know, the runny eggs are out because of salmonella risk. Right, okay. I have not been doing that to hard-boiled. I just thought that they couldn't be raw. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Like scrambled eggs? Oh, yeah, they're fine. Okay, okay. Yeah, you scramble them well. Um, so I, I'm going to go through this list and okay. you're gonna, your face will I'm drop with some of the moments where you'll be like, oh, damn. Okay, well, I'm still um, alive, so we're going to go, <laughs> yeah. go for it. <laughs> so uh, the cheese, so for example, the cheese with the white rind around it or the mould uh, mold kind of blue cheese. Um, so you can't have that. Um, you can have it though, it's a piping hot. So I loved blue cheese. So like I would make soup and I put loads of blue cheese in it so I'd still get the blue cheese flavour and everything. Mm-hmm. I love it that much. Um, then you have to be careful with dairy so that you're always going for the pasteurised stuff. Most dairy is pasteurised, but you just, it's just if you're getting it from a farm or a market, they might give you raw or unpasteurised. But it is a good habit to get into to be checking the labels. Okay. Um, then with fish, like most fish is absolutely grand. You just need to be careful with oily fish that you're having it once uh, a week generally um, the rules will be changing on salmon too that you might be able to have salmon more often which is really the oily fish people eat quite a lot um, I crave so much fish so I lived on fish mm. but people steer away from shellfish when they don't need to and they just is need to be careful then? yeah they just need to be careful with how they cook it okay. um, in terms of a food so safety point of use. yeah so stay away from sushi as well um, with the tins of tuna depends where you're listening so the UK guidelines are less than four tins a week Irish guidelines are less than two but if you're getting to say a sandwich when out that would be uh, like you would get half a tin in a sandwich usually okay um, I so saw actually Millie McIntosh um, she's been documenting her pregnancy and she yeah. was having a lovely meal and there was there was prawns in her dish in the picture and I saw all the comments were like you're so irresponsible having prawns and I was like first of all I'm terrified of ever posting anything to do with anything to do with my baby but second of all yeah. they're cooked that's fine right oh yeah people, she knows like we, we know people, people are totally nasty eyed prawns all the time yeah no it's just about cooking them well enough. okay the ones that people don't know about though are the two kind of areas where there's going to be much more bacteria than you think um, in those foods would be coleslaw. Right. So, you know, coleslaw from a deli is out. And the one that pe- people often don't know about, and it was the biggest giveaway of when they had an ice cream van at a wedding, um, I couldn't, I didn't go for the 99. But luckily everyone thought it was because I was a dietitian. But um, <laughs> truth was, we're, we're not supposed to be having 99s out of the vans as okay. well. So that's, and that's gutting. Not only out of the vans, but out of shops, the 99s are pretty much out Right, okay. pregnancy. This is fine for me because I'm lactose intolerant. Oh yeah, so I haven't been having any. And you wouldn't pop of, a lactase enzyme for no, ninety nine. Even you mentioning blue cheese there, I'm just still I'm not over my morning sickness. So I just can't imagine putting anything that smells yeah. like feet into my mouth. Ah. Um, so okay, really so there, is that the bulk of the do's and don'ts? It's the bulk of them. Um, just then in in terms of meat, you know, um, even though. Uh, you know rare steak is probably fine they do recommend just cooking it through okay so that's the bulk of them and yeah. like if you were having minced meat you'd, you'd cook that through anyway because that's oh, yeah. recommended yeah it'd be recommended anyway anyway but when pregnant definitely. so it's, it's more so that I mean we all face the same risk of getting food poisoning you just don't want to get it when you're when you're pregnant because it might be a risk to the baby yeah it's not that having a bit of 
and so your immune won't necessarily system make you vomit or anything. But your immune system is down as well, so you're more likely to get sick from it than right. you know if you weren't. Okay, okay. So it's a double whammy thing. Okay, then let's talk through the. I guess the first trimester, which I'll be doing a whole separate episode on coping with that because um, I found it incredibly tough. I know you did too. And even yeah. beyond the first trimester, <laughs> which is you kind of think that you'll get to week 12 and be like, I'm a new woman and it doesn't yeah. necessarily happen that way. Um, but when it comes to diet and nutrition and I suppose we had been working together with me as a, a client of yours before that and I had gotten to such a good place with my gut and my, yeah. I was doing low FODMAP and I was feeling really well. Um, and then all of a sudden, um, I wasn't able to eat anything because I was so sick and I was barely getting a ginger nut or a cracker into me yeah. and just trying to just trying to keep stuff down and trying to survive. In that first period of time, uh, I think people can maybe get a bit panicked that they're not getting nutrition for the baby or for them. Is it a matter of just surviving at that point? Oh, absolutely. And I think people, like the mum guilt really starts at conception, I think, yeah. because um, people have these notions that as soon as they get pregnant, they're just going to eat so well. And yeah. especially if they ate well beforehand and they'll be like, they're devastated then when the symptoms kick in and all they can consume is yogurt and fruit or something. Yeah. So, I mean, that wouldn't be too bad. I was like, I can just keep chicken nuggets down. If that oh, helps. Yeah. And salt and vinegar crisps was <laughs> oh, my yeah. thing as well. Oh my God, yeah. I couldn't have enough vinegar. So yeah, no, it is. So the baby will, it's hard, horrible to describe it as a parasite, but it is. It will take everything it needs That's and it's it you like who sometimes. suffers. <laughs> so um, what I would encourage people to just remind themselves is the baby's getting everything it's need. Like, yeah, you are suffering, but hopefully you'll have stores and you can replenish afterwards. And although it's not ideal, any food is good food at that time. Um, and the baby's getting everything it needs from your blood, right? So it's not yeah. actually taking like your bit of broccoli and having a oh, chew. chew away. <laughs> yeah, no, no, because then, yeah, no, it wouldn't. We take it all from the blood. Okay. So that's why you have to be careful with alcohol as well. And that's why you can't yeah. uh, drink alcohol when pregnant. Um, so, yeah, during the first three months, like for a lot of women it's just a case of survival yeah. because they're more tired than maybe they've ever felt before and mm-hmm. um, the constant nausea as well and that kind of and it peaks and troughs at the time like sometimes it's like low-grade nausea all the time and then oh, there's yeah. these horrible moments where, where it's just you can't even look at the tv or you can't even speak yeah, yeah. It's, it's unbearable yeah. and I found what I found really frustrating about the first trimester was that I whenever I felt like I could eat I only wanted to eat like salty, carby stuff. So like yeah. I would have like, you know, some pizza without cheese or I would have a whole ciabatta bread or something. And I was like, I I know I'm a conscious, healthy eater normally. And it's, I feel like I don't, this is not really me, but I have yeah. to only tolerate what I can tolerate. But do you think it's fair to say that there's plenty of time um, as your pregnancy progresses to kind of get back to some level of, of healthy eating. Oh, of course. And some people never get there, but their babies are born perfectly healthy and okay. they're healthy after. Um, so ideally, you know, as soon as you're feeling well enough, you'd bring things back in. But you can also, like, I was fine, for example, with yogurt and fruit. And I was thinking, okay, well, I'm not getting all the veg I normally get, but mm-hmm. I'm getting the fruit in. I could take veg in through soup and um, things that were colder were much easier for me. So, right. um, you know, I was freezing my yogurts and having them. So there are kind of ways and means to 
eat well by kind of tricking the nausea. Yeah. Um, so I think that's very variable for a lot of people. Um, I bought an air fryer and everything went into the air fryer and like I had chips every night. All I wanted was chips in mm-hmm. the first three months and vinegar. All I couldn't yeah. like they were, the chips were floating towards me. So I got yeah. an air fryer and like the chips are in there. But I would put in onions and peppers and make it kind of a homemade spice bag, if you will. Okay. I had that nearly most nights because it was the only thing that I could yeah. think of that I could have. You know, so it is it is a case of survival. Um, you know, I find it very hard because my job is talking about food all day long. Um, mm. So I was extremely nauseous and I had to talk about poo and food. <laughs> oh, gosh. But, um, you know, everyone has their own troubles because then there's people who are nauseous and working in hospitals with all the smells and stuff. So, you know, everyone has their own challenges. But I mean, I was very lucky myself and then I worked for myself. I was able to kind of hold myself up at home and avoid... But then you have time to think of it. And you well, no that's true. Cause some of my friends said, like, I was like, how did you cope being in an office? And they were like, you just have your you so... You've no choice. You've got no choice. And maybe when you're not overanalyzing every moment of how you feel, it gets a little bit easier. Um, so so I guess there was the, the not eating or the barely eating the crackers and stuff and for me I needed to like do that in the middle of the night as well like yeah, it was crazy little and often answer your body you go your belly will tell you what it can hold yeah. and your cravings are usually a good guide so if you feel like the only thing I can manage right now is toast dry toast then yeah. Absolutely, that's what it is. Or crackers. People find that dry foods, cold foods, uh, plain foods are a really good idea, yeah. as well as eating regularly. And most people, it's very much carbs they're craving. They're not only craving carbs because it's you know they're very palatable, but also because their energy is so low, okay. and they find themselves snoozing on the couch by eight pm at night. You know, and going to bed mad early. So there is a, a, a greater reason behind your desire for carbs than just yeah. I'm pregnant now. I get to just eat them all. Exactly. Guilt. Well, ginger does help, so I'd encourage people as well to um, maybe focus on ginger. Putting ginger in foods, I find ginger oat cakes really good, um, and I had ginger cordial, which I put into yeah. fizz, cold fizzy water, and I'd sip that throughout the day in clinic and that really kept me going. Okay. There was an element of sugar within it, which was helpful. Not great for my teeth in the long run, but I was talking about survival. Yeah. But the ginger was uh, good for nausea and it has okay. been proven to be good for nausea. Another thing for me then was when I was kind of, I guess, getting to a point of the, the sickness not being so bad, but I was still in the early days, was the volume that I had to start eating. It was like, it was like I didn't have a stomach. Food was just going in and falling out. Like it was, there was, I couldn't get this any feeling of satisfaction. I, yeah. Well, I didn't enjoy any food anyway. Um, and I, maybe I, I was kind of thinking maybe it was. I think I said this to you. Maybe it was like heartburn or indigestion masking as hunger. But I, I remember thinking before I was pregnant. Oh, like I'm not going to be one of those people who like says they eat for two when you don't need to. But yeah. I. I mean, I literally would panic if I left the house without snacks, which I did this morning. And because I just have to put something in my mouth every 10, I mean, I couldn't go half an hour without it. Is that okay as well to be like consuming an awful lot more than you're used to? Um, So like it's, it's, if you're hungry, you know, answer your body and okay. eat. Don't um, deny it. Don't deny it. But at the same time, maybe take a step back and go, why am I hungry? It could be the pregnancy hormones, but it could also be the fact that you're going for carb rich foods and foods with that are low in fibre, like crackers or maybe white toast or something. And if there's they're low fibre carbohydrates, they're going to go into your belly and go into your blood within 30 minutes. So they're not going to give you any element of satiety for a long time. The other thing is you're lacking that protein aspect. So the Mm. two things to keep you full are protein and fibre. So if you put in an element of protein, would then your meal, uh, would would you be able to go for longer, maybe two or three hours without eating? So it can be a sign of if you're just using eating kind of quick release carbs all the time, then you're not going to be 
and fully then you're stuck in a rush of, of thinking that you need to keep doing that but exactly. really it's about changing what you're what you're yeah. eating yeah I definitely lack the protein element yeah um, in, in the early days and it can be hard because people can go off eggs and go off meat I definitely went off meat yeah yeah I went off eggs I went off meat um, the only thing I'd really comfortably have was chicken and fish mm-hmm. um, and dairy so that they were my protein main protein sources and then with the fibre I was just trying to get as fruit I could have unlimited fruit yeah. so I was getting fibre in through that way but sometimes it's a case of um, you know putting chia seeds or linseeds or something mm-hmm. into things. Fibre is something I very very quickly had to like up the ante on which yeah. and I'm supposed to be having a lot of it anyway because of my sort of history with my gut and having a slightly more sluggish system um, but before we get into why fibre is important and um, how to maybe introduce it if you haven't had enough of it already can you give me an overview of what's happening in the body when we're pregnant which requires that like with the hormones involved that slows down the gut yeah, so a lot of there's a lot of hormonal changes and they can happen so quick. So I was nauseous before I missed a period. So right. I was nauseous from three weeks. So I was away in Italy so and I was yeah, I was sick and I didn't know why. And I hadn't missed a period yet and um I didn't get a pregnancy positive pregnancy test for another ten days after that. So you can feel very sick. Some people find that initially they get diarrhea and they're just explosive diarrhea all the time um, and then it kind of goes to more constipation so progesterone slows down the contraction of the gut and it tends to slow down gut movements so people can get quite constipated especially initially as the progesterone's rising um, is that and- rising steadily from conception right through yeah so it, it, it is rising um, it kind of depends when you know, when, when you conceived and stuff like that, at what point it's like maxing or, um, you know, growing exponentially. But it, it is the thing that decreases the gut contractions and slows things down. Um, so the other issue is that the womb uterus is getting bigger and preparing for having a baby. And it's right down there where the colon is or the large bowel and it's in your hip bones nearly so it's super duper low so everything's squished against each other so the uterus is getting bigger um, and it's pushing against the large intestine and again so you're you're getting constipated because the progesterone is slowing the gut uh, movements and all maybe because of food choice as well because you maybe haven't been eating in anything like like you were before and then that womb is pushing against the large intestine so people even find that you know that they need to poo but you know they're, they're struggling with that aspect yeah um then when the uterus moves up more towards the second trimester people get the constipation can relieve for a lot of people also because they're feeling a little bit better um sometimes not always um that their food choice improves so yeah. they're eating more fruit and veg and whole grains and things and again then the uh the constipation can resolve okay and the progesterone um slowing the gut down i mean for me i was like why does it have to do this but it's it's so that the baby can get all the nutrients like if if it's going slow enough it can like um, extract nutrients is that right yeah that's certainly uh, one of the reasons the main reason your, your body wants to absorb um, as much as possible from the food and as much of the nutrients as possible and um, so the baby will like I say take everything that needs from you um, and you know the leftovers or the stores go to us and that's why um, a lot of people find that uh, taking a multi-mineral and multivitamin gives them a you know a, a safety blanket if you will that their food choice isn't what it 
usually is. But if they take that vitamin mineral pill that they're at least getting those micronutrients in. Okay, so it's like an insurance policy really. When exactly. You, yeah. Now, the thing is, is that firstly, you have to take one specific for pregnancy because you don't want it to have vitamin A in it because, yeah. um, you know, that's toxic to the baby in large amounts. The other thing is that people find that it constipates them and they don't take it. What I'd encourage people to do is take it every other day or every three days. It's because the iron um, can slow down the gut and irritate the gut. Our body's clever. It doesn't want to have a suffer from iron toxicity. So what happens is um, we take a pill in. It might contain iron or it might be just a, an iron supplement our body will absorb it. Then our body's clever. It releases this thing to stop any more being absorbed because it doesn't want to suffer from iron toxicity because that's really bad for the liver and bad for the body. So when we take the pill the next day, then it's the absorption has been blocked by this thing. So then the iron is left over in the gut. When it's left over in the gut, that's when it irritates it. So by taking it every second day or every third day, what's happening is you're you're not taking it when the iron is blocked. So you're absorbing it when the body can absorb it. Mm. Um, so for those people that find that the iron is irritating their gut, they might take the iron every second day or every third day. And then in between that, take their folic acid and vitamin D. And how would they know if it's the iron that's irritating their gut? Um, I suppose trial and error, like even what I was saying with you was just try it. So yeah. um, take take your multivitamin or multivitamin every second day and then every second day take folic acid and vitamin D. And if that improves things, then you know that the iron was exacerbating the gut or else causing some gut issues. There are nutrients that women tend to not consume enough of during pregnancy. Um, some of them they don't you know, um, they might not know of. So, for example, women might not take in enough iodine. So around 50% of Irish women were seen to not take in enough iodine during pregnancy. So one in two. Um, Iodine is something we generally get, well, we get around half of our iodine from dairy. So half of that from kind of milk and yogurt and cheese and uh, the rest from plants and fish if we eat it. The main sources really are dairy and fish. You can get it through seaweed, but I don't think Irish people, people want to eat, eat that seaweed. much seaweed. <laughs> yeah. um, so that is a nutrient that um, other co- countries would actually encourage people to supplement during pregnancy. So in Ireland, we don't yet. We might. Um, but in other countries, they certainly do put that on the list. Um, the other thing is choline. So uh, choline is a really important nutrient and it works. It has loads of jobs, but it works um together with folic acid to prevent neural tube defects. Um, there's choline found in meat, um, poultry and eggs. And um, so there's choline found in meat, poultry and eggs. So if you're eating those foods, then you're probably getting enough. But if you're vegetarian or vegan, you might consider supplementing that as well. Okay. You mentioned DHA. Oh, yeah. Sorry. So the omega-3s found in oily fish are EPA and DHA. And they're structurally different to the omega-3s found in plants, such as chia seeds, flax seeds, rapeseed oil. That omega-3 is called ALA. So it's structurally different and it acts differently in the body. We know that the EPA and DHA found in omega-3 um, are are found in oily fish are really important for us. The DHA in particular is especially important in with babies and development, such as their eyes and their brain. And that's why pregnancy supplements you know, would contain DHA um, and the omega-3 that you're offered with that supplement would contain a lot of DHA. Um, Now, it doesn't mean the other two aren't important. It's just a lot of research is behind that DHA. EPA is um, 
EPA is and DHA are usually found in another omega three. So just say if someone was taking multimineral, multivitamin by a different brand, they might take an omega three as well if they feel that they're not getting enough through fish or they're not stomaching fish at that time. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just sixty bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince—they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and three hundred sixty-five day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com/weightloss. That's PlushCare.com/weightloss. PlushCare.com/weightloss. Okay. Um, and they're a really good idea. The plant omega-3s are different. So if someone doesn't eat oily fish or if they exclu- like don't eat it because they don't like it or exclude it for whatever reason, then they do need to supplement with an EPA and DHA omega-3. So if they're comfortable taking a fish oil supplement, that's a, probably a good idea. Um, if they're not comfortable taking a fish oil sub- supplement, they'll need to get it from um, an omega-3 found in algae. Um, so for example, if someone was on a is, is a vegan, um, they would need an omega three from algae. Okay, so in terms of what to avoid, your raw fish, making sure things are cooked, vitamin A uh, internally is not yeah. it's not okay. But it's, and that's it's why like, you have to avoid liver. Yeah, liver. Okay, I mean that's no ha- hassle for me anyway. Cause <laughs> yeah. That is absolutely vile. Um, and not then- even pate. No. Oh, okay. Ugh. So you have to avoid pate. I was disappointed. I by have that. the palate of a child. I think, um, <laughs> yeah. which has helped me so far the the nutrients that are incredibly important during pregnancy it's not to say that the others aren't important but iron because your blood volume increases so much during pregnancy that you actually need iron to make the red blood cells you need vitamin b12 and folic acid as well so again to make the red blood cells but folic acid as well to prevent neural tube defects Mm -hmm. and you need to take folic acid for the entire pregnancy and you need vitamin d because most of us don't get enough anyway and um, we need that little bit more so um, you need maybe five micrograms per day, if not 10 micrograms per day, especially between October and March. Because again, those times when you're in Ireland or England that you're not actually producing enough vitamin D through okay. the sun. Then um, looking at the food you, you take in, let's assume you've gone past the first trimester, you've just managed to survive. That's fine. Don't worry about whatever yeah. you managed to get in and keep down then. Um, and you've had the insurance policy of your, your supplement yeah. perhaps. Then when you're feeling well, you want to kind of, I guess... Um, play catch up and now that's where I'm at now so I'm like tell me what to eat so I want to be making sure I'm getting oily fish how many times per week? Um, oily fish once a week and then there's no real limit on white fish and shellfish um, so you can enjoy them a lot um, when it comes to tuna though two tins a week I absolutely <clears> hate tuna <throat> so what? I hate it that's so weird so have you I- ever heard of toilet paper tuna? 
No. Apparently they did it in um in during war times where they had um tuna and it was made tuna in oil now, not in brine. And they put two pieces of toilet paper on top of it and pushed it into the tin and lit the four corners and you let it burn and, and until it burns out and then you peel off the toilet paper and on top the tuna is real crispy and it's smoked underneath. Is this you selling it to me? Yeah, <laughs> I love oh toilet paper God. tuna. That is your the, face. The name alone is so appetizing. Yeah, okay. Um, I should okay. come up with another uh, name. alternative. If 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 like I wasn't stomaching fish or wasn't feeling like it, um, there's really no ul- or to- okay. alternative to fish, especially the okay. um, oily fish. So if you're not having oily, so fish vegans are protein. kind of probably a little bit more compromised during pregnancy then. Uh, well, they're comprom. They're they they need to be very careful with their diet all the time because okay. when you cut out things like oily fish and there's no real um, alternative, um, then you do need to bring in supplements. Yes. Okay, okay, um, and then fiber. So fiber is incredibly important, and eighty percent of Irish people aren't getting enough. So if you're listening, you're probably one of them. Yeah. Um, statistically speaking, I had my linseed this morning. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I know you, but you become so on top of it during pregnancy if you're suffering from yeah. constipation as well. So you're you're aiming for around thirty grams a day, and you'd be surprised in some ways how hard that is to achieve unless you know of the foods that are super high in it. So, for example. Uh, fruit and veg typically per serving has maybe one to three grams of fiber, depending on what it is. Um, Pretty low then. Yeah, nuts and seeds generally have one gram of fiber per serve. Um, carbohydrates, whole grain carbohydrates tend to have four grams per serve. Okay. Rice is less though, so even brown rice might have one gram per serve, while basmati white rice would have zero grams per serve. Okay. So. When you look at it there, you're thinking, oh dear, how on earth am I going to get 30 grams? So you just want to actually know of the foods that are super high. So the foods that would be super high would be of the fruits. It would certainly be um, mango, pears and berries. So they tend to have four or five grams per serve. So they tend to have anywhere between two to four times the amount of fibre of other fruits. Um, In terms of uh, plants, then beans, peas and lentils are super high. So mm-hmm. uh, to put it into something that people can visualise, that small tin of baked beans would have 10 grams of fibre. Wow. So it's quite a lot. Okay. It's a third of your fibre intake. Then that's going to give you a whole other set of problems to deal with. <laughs> Not everyone. <laughs> so you're just highlighting it that it makes you fart. Um, then in the nuts and seeds, the seeds that are really high would be the likes of linseed, aka flaxseed yeah. and chia seeds. So they tend to have anywhere between four to eight times the amount of fibre than other seeds. And you want to get your soluble and your insoluble fibre. Yeah, so... Could you just explain the difference? Insoluble fibre is a fibre that um, is like the roughage. It's rough to touch. It's the seeds and pips of and skins of fruit and veg. It's the whole grains. It's, it's the linseed that survived through my dishwasher. <laughs> Did it? <laughs> well, I have to it's like remarkable. I know, you do. And it really sticks. So the insoluble fibre is the job of that is to increase the stool size. Well, right. one of the jobs. The soluble fibre is the gel-like fibre. So that softens the stool and makes it easier like to pass. Like hair conditioner for your poo. Oh my God, that's so funny. Isn't I'm going to use that again. Do. I'm yeah. going to apologise also to our producer at the moment who's having a lovely ear full of poo I talk. <laughs> it's when me and you get together. I know, this, there's no you know. stopping us. And yeah, hair conditioner. My mom always says, oh, it's like giving you silky poos. So it just slides right out. Oh my God, I'm going to quote your mom. <laughs> Do. Um, so soluble fibre is the hair conditioner for your poo so it softens the poo and makes it easier to pass so that would be chia seeds linseeds uh, oats 
barley, beans, peas and lentils. Okay. So that's really important because you don't want to... If, if the poo is hard, it might be a sign that you're not getting enough soluble fibre. And if it's dry, it also means you might not be getting enough water. Okay. So a nice high fibre breakfast then. You want to make sure you have your oats perhaps with your... Um, linseed maybe some berries is, yeah. is, and then or mango or pear mango, yeah pear. Are, are exceptionally high but when you're I think people give breakfast cereals a bad name yeah. you know they're not all you know some of them are like candy I'm not American I don't know they <laughs> <Candy>. say candy <laughs> but um, so what you need to do is you need to look at the back of the pack and it says in the nutritional information it says uh, the sugar content and you're ideally looking for less than 5 grams per 100 grams or at least close to that okay um, but the main one is you're looking for the fibre content and you're looking for greater than six grams per 100 grams. Okay. So again, I have to be careful with brands, but um, you know the sticks made in bran? Yes, I know them. And <laughs> so they would have three times the fibre content of right. nearly and every other cereal. As well, but then you recommended that there's like a cluster version of them as yeah, well. Yeah, that's great. lower in sugar as yeah. well. Okay. So I sent you a picture of that. Yeah, yeah, because again, if you're suffering with constipation and pregnancy, it's so like it's... It's so, you feel so sluggish and so ming and so yeah, people oh, would be just, delighted with yeah, that. Yeah, it's the worst. Okay, and then managing the symptoms outside of the diet you consume. If if constipation is really, you're like, nothing's happening at all. Um, would you recommend like anything that helps that along in terms of like... Um, so what I'd encourage people to do is also think of other things that are really important for the gut such as drinking enough water. So we need around 35 millilitres for every kilogram that we weigh each day. So most of us need more than two litres. So that's important. When you're looking at how hydrated you are, there's three things you need to look at. So is my pee nice and clear? So you want it really the colour of straw. Am I producing um, a good volume and am I peeing regularly? So in pregnancy, you pee regularly anyway, Mm -hmm. but volume is important. So are you doing this little piddly pee or... If you were to count in Mississippi's, does it take at least four Mississippi's to pee? Like that sort of volume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like one Mississippi, two Mississippi. Mississippi. You say Mississippi. Yeah. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> you're at, you're adding more time onto your pee there. I am, yeah. yeah certainly. Okay. So at least four Mississippi's. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um and you mentioned sugar there as well, yeah. just briefly before we move on. Um are you trying to con- I know we're not we're supposed to all be conscious of the sugar intake but I yeah. find being pregnant um, I'm gravitating more towards it I guess yeah. out of comfort um, is there just I guess just keep an eye but you might not for the whole thing Yeah. so for example I was dog tired in the first three months I, I couldn't and it was because it, I'm self-employed so I was working so many hours and I didn't have enough time to reduce my hours yet so it takes around three months for me to change my diary so there was less hours so yeah I was finding myself for the first like I have a savoury tooth like a not sweet tooth mm. at all and I had skittles in my drawer like, wow. damn it I said a brand <laughs> um, but there were things that I was having just yeah. to keep myself going certainly maybe there was Starburst maybe there was some other brand we can think of to <laughs> Haribo um, oh my god I was Haribo mad for all the white jelly bit of the you know the little fried egg bit <laughs> you actually, oh my god I'd I say eating them you were a bit of a minger as well I'd say oh you were picking god. them apart were you not really no, I just was like the whole bag is gone. It's like, <laughs> really? one of those share cinema bags as well. Oh yeah, um, but poor like, Barry you know, didn't get a look. I know in. it's like I'm not eating for two. I'm eating for what feels like seven. I was convinced I was having more than one because of the volume of how much I was, how hungry I was. I was, I was convinced I was having more than one because I was, and my bump was huge. So okay. like my bump, I really bumped out by like 
four or five months like wow. I had a huge bump really early and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger yeah I feel like on the subject of bumps mine kind of comes and goes like it seems to be there in the evening and I'm like is that just like a big poo needing to happen or is that there's an element of food pushing it out certainly right, okay. and but um, no, you will pop and it is relatively relatively quickly I went to Denmark with my mum and on the Friday I didn't really have a bump and I came home on the Sunday and I had a bump Okay, and it's a when it when it pops, it's kind of always there. It's not just like because mine yeah. like comes out and goes back in, and, and yeah, because walking to the airport on the Sunday, I remember thinking I look so pregnant right okay. now, and I didn't on the Friday. Right. Like on the Friday, I just you know I felt a bit bleh. yeah, um, but on the Sunday, yeah, I certainly had a big bump, and it grew and grew, it grew so much so that actually I was like, are you sure there's not twins in there? But I did because if you if you have just say a family history of type two diabetes. Or um, your mom had gestational di- diabetes, or you have um, a medical history yourself of PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. It is a good idea to be tested for gestational diabetes, as well as if your BMI is over thirty. Um, that so, was news to me that you can just develop diabetes while pregnant and then it'll go when you're not anymore. Yeah, now it does put you at greater risk of type two diabetes later. And okay, stuff. but it's a good idea to get checked. So um, every hospital has different rules. Um, so you're usually checked after 20 weeks and what happens is you go in fasting which is a nightmare pregnant I remember fasting for a few hours was just mental Mm. and you go in having fasted they take your bloods then they give you this drink you have the drink they check your bloods an hour later and then two hours later and they just want to see that your body's still able to control your blood sugar levels. Okay. Um, if your body isn't, then you might need to change your diet. If that doesn't work, you might need to go on medications. But gestational diabetes can put you at increased risk, risk of lots of things, including having a giant baby. Okay. Now, I had a giant baby anyway, but it had How nothing to do. I just, uh, I didn't have gestational diabetes. Okay. Um, he was nine pounds, four kilos. Okay. But my husband's massive. So it <laughs> was always going to yeah. happen. Yeah. Um, another massive thing that um, I have yet to really confront, but that is such a problem for pregnant women, is indigestion and heartburn. Oh, yeah. Is there a difference between indigestion and heartburn? Um, so not really. So the thing is, is that it, it nearly like it, in, with when it's super severe, it, it it feels like a heart Fire. attack. Yeah, okay. <laughs> really. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of people going in on Christmas Day thinking they're having a heart attack and it's just heartburn. Wow. Um, it's unbelievable in A&E. But so what's happening is, is that the baby is pushing up on the belly, right? And there's not the same room for food as you go on. Like when I, because I had such a big bump, like I could, you know, I had to eat small and often because there wasn't the volume, like the space mm-hmm. there for all of us. You know, my body was far too small for my baby. Um, so the thing is that the food basically in your tummy gets pushed up. Your tummy is quite acidic. So it's going up the food pipe and it's it's burning the food pipe. And is that also the because the, the valve that normally keeps food in your belly, once it goes through, your the, the pipe is a bit more relaxed. So it's Yeah, so there's all of that going on. Okay, and, and that's because of the progesterone. Yeah, and then the baby could be kicking or they could, they might have their head still up there or when they turn down, they're kicking um, or putting Jesus, their knees yeah. up there and the food is... Anyway, so... That and because digestion's a lot slower, what happens is, especially when we lie down, the food and the acidy food basically and the acid from our belly goes up into our um, food pipe and it burns and that hurts. So um, that's why um, pregnant women are more at risk of uh, heartburn and indigestion. And some people suffer 
really, really badly. So one of the best things you can do is just elevate the mattress a little bit. Yeah. Often people say sleep with two pillows or something, but if you're not used to that, then you won't get a good night's sleep. So it's important then to put maybe a cushion under the mattress where your head is or a few towels and just bring up the mattress a little bit. Um, and that will just ele- elevate your head a bit and just okay. to have you, you know, your head a little bit um, above where your belly is. And then other triggers or things to avoid if your heartburn is really bad? Um, I suppose that the easiest way to think of it, firstly, eating too fast. So um, you're going to get heartburn if you eat too fast, certainly, because you're not digesting your food well enough. So you need to mechanically break down your food into lots of tiny bits and you do that with your teeth. So the food has to go be chewed lots so that when it goes into the belly, the belly doesn't have as much work to do. Okay. Now, the other thing is, is that if you, because it burns the food pipe a little bit, it's kind of like having an open wound as such. Mm. So if you were to picture having a cut on your hand, what wouldn't you hold in your hand? So if someone would say, here, listen, hold my chilli, you wouldn't. <laughs> You'd be like, no, that will really hurt my hand. Okay. Or you wouldn't put vinegar on it or right. a, a, you wouldn't peel an orange. So you have to think, okay, if it hurt the cut of my hand, it will probably hurt okay. and my food pipe going down. So they tend to be quite citrusy things or vinegar or chilli or, you know, those sorts of things. Some people find that coffee makes it worse but what you don't want to do is slow down digestion even more especially lasting at night so you want to avoid big meals because you'll probably get heartburn from that and you want to avoid very rich meals so one of my friends I remember um, the end of her pregnancy having a chipper and she thought she was going to die like because the high fat meal takes uh-huh. ages to digest okay. so she was rolling around all night so fried foods that kind of thing probably yeah. isn't but if you do suffer from reflux, um, my friend did so, so badly. And interestingly, her little baby did as well. But she, in her hospital where she ha- gave birth, um, they didn't have any medications to give her. So her husband had to run out to the local pharmacy to get her. I think it was Gav- Gaviscon or something or any brand. Or any um, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And um, to when she was in labour because her reflux was so bad in labour. Okay. and. Her labour, if you were to ask her about it, she would bring up the reflux because that was just the worst the, part. the worst part for her, yeah. Wow. And with all that indigestion and heartburn and as awful as it can feel, is is there anything to be concerned about or is it just a symptom of pregnancy? I mean, it's not doing any damage. No, usually when you give birth, it it goes away. Um, if it doesn't, then what you need to do is go back to your GP. You might be put on medications for a while um, or you should go to see a dietitian and to get guided on what you Such should and shouldn't eat. Exactly. <laughs> um, just to allow the symptoms to go away and then to heal back up okay. the food pipe so it doesn't happen again. After you've had the baby, is it to be expected that your gut is a little bit out of whack because you've passed a pumpkin through your whole system? <laughs> yeah, I think, well... Okay, so if you suffer from reflux, you definitely need the thing that you find useful in your bag with you in in your delivery bag. But everyone needs in their delivery bag, as far as I'm concerned, linseeds and maybe dried mango or stuff to help you poo. The first poo after giving birth is one that brings a lot of fear. You you worry okay. about it so much because what's one to remember? Uh, it is one to remember <laughs> and you just for, for don't right. want to be you don't want things to be sluggish things might be sluggish because of pain medication as well oh, so gosh. you just want it in easy poo to pass because your vagina's in ribbons seriously like why is something so natural and the reason we're all here so hard for women to do <laughs> well firstly your body's clever so you just forget about all the challenging bits to make you do it again I but in a like nearly immediately I wanted another baby as well because okay. it was so magic. It's 
Listen, it's it's so worth it. Mm. I, I think apart from anything else, you just have to realise that it is such a privilege and the lengths other women might be going yeah. through to to get to where you are. Yeah. Like you just need to remember that. So all the challenging moments, you just need to remember it's an absolute privilege to be pregnant and to be having a baby. Hopefully you're happy to be having it. Um, it is so challenging at all the different bits like even the discomfort at the end or if you suffer insomnia like I did or you know all those bits and it does I found the baby easier out than in um well that's reassuring but I, I think that's probably people are more afraid of what I think then. because they're thinking I'm finding pregnancy so challenging what the hell am I going to be like as a mum but you've got the biggest reward at the end mm-hmm. and it's funny like you're, you'll be there in the middle of the night 20 minutes trying to get this baby to burp and they will burp and you might as well have been sprinkled with gold. It is the most (laughs) rewarding thing. Or they will have a poo explosion and you'll be cleaning off behind their ears and they giggle and all of a sudden the whole last week even is worth it. So there's such a wonderful reward system there that you you'll want to do it's nearly addictive I think it's so important because when you're especially earlier on in pregnancy you don't look pregnant you don't you know you might maybe you haven't told anybody yet yeah, if you're listening the, in the first trimester you might not feel the kicks you don't yeah you don't feel you just feel crap like or you just feel the symptoms so it's <laughs> yeah. hard to be excited and it's hard to be able to say oh it'll be so worth it because you don't know yet yeah like what that will feel like you don't know the baby you don't know the person you don't have that like bond that love so I think it's just something you need to trust that um your perspective on how hard it might have been will balance out. Yeah, and be sound to yourself. Like, re- realistically, you it's okay to not feel anything yet. You don't or have not, to love pregnancy, like. And you yeah. don't have to love it. You can find it challenging. Some people find it dead easy. And sure, some people find everything dead easy yeah. and have no symptoms. Um, yeah, you just need to have a mantra in your head. And, you know, for mine, it was simply, you know, this is what you've always wanted and it's absolute privilege. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything else just as a reminder or like a top tip just to be mindful of when it comes to the gut and nutrition or diet with pregnancy before we let you go? Um, the the only other thing that when we were talking that I was like, oh, I forgot to say is that some women need to take a higher dose of folic acid. Okay. So they need to ask their GP or their midwife or their consultant to, um, you know, whether or not they they are in that category. So for example, if there was a family history of neural tube defects or if you've type 2 diabetes or type 1 diabetes, maybe epilepsy, some medications. Um, there's, or if you're um, obese as per the BMI scale, you might need to take a higher dose of folic acid. So just be sure to ask. Um, and they can find that out with a test or something? No, they just simply ask. And if okay. you're in one of those categories, um, every hospital is different in terms of their guidelines, what I found out recently. But you, okay. you just need to ask and they'll say whether or not you have to take that higher dose of folic acid. Orla Walsh, dietitian, as though that is your surname. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me on Ready to Pop. It has been a privilege to hear all of your incredible insights and I'm going to listen back myself and take all the notes and go home and and try and force some toilet paper tuna (laughs) into my mouth. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 